0: They have committed themselves to that over that. But somewhere I read of the freedom of assembly. Somewhere I read of the freedom of speech. Somewhere I read of the freedom of press. Somewhere I read that the greatness of America is the right to protest for rights. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And He's allowed me to go up to the mountain. Now look over. And I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know the tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land.
2: Ladies and gentlemen of America, this is AJC Radio, where we seek for justice all around the world. Tonight, Tyree Nichols, one of many who continue to be executed, no matter how you look at it, how you shape it, they continue to die in our streets by the hands of law enforcement. Tonight, we take a look at excessive force in law enforcement in America. Folks, hang on. You don't want to miss this one. We take off right now. And there you have it. I'm Lamont Banks, along with David Banks, Demetrius Harper, Kendrick Barnes, Dave Zapolo, Tapson Riddle, William Williams, Quint Stewart, uh, Dennis Merritt, and also Tanique Wright, uh, all at the table tonight to have this discussion. So uh, tell your friends, tell whoever you can, uh, what we're going to do tonight. Uh, this, thing, this is going to be a good one. For the simple fact we have to continue to have this conversation as we must, uh, really in the viewpoint of excessive force and people are dying. We need to deal with that. Uh, One of the most tragic things I've seen uh, was the killing of Tyree Nichols, which is as brutal and cruel of a crime that could be committed by law enforcement or anybody else for that matter. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you have seen the video footage, the tapes of what they did to this man in beating him literally to death. That cost his life as he cried for his mother. Uh, he was, I think, a block or so away from his house, and he was trying to get there. They weren't going to make. They were not going to let that happen. Uh, and it's an unfortunate uh, killing, as they all are. But the brutality and the cruelty of what happened to Tyree Nichols, we're going to dig into that and have a conversation as well. Um, we also um, are going to have Donovan Duran. He's a gentleman that, uh, in our own backyard, was excessive force was for used to the point where he was paralyzed. Um, he's going to be joining us here at the at the bottom of the hour uh, to let us know his story and what happened to him. Uh, as the LaHunta, I believe the La Hunta Police Department uh, assaulted this man and beat him to the point uh, he was paralyzed. He's paralyzed now. Uh, I think, I think from what uh, Tanika shared with us, I think from the neck down, that's the damage that was um, that's the damage
3: that was done to this man. So we're going to get into that. Sam, see your thoughts on this show. Well, I mean, um, we've done this show numerous times and it's sad that we have to revisit you know this subject again and again and again and again but the fact of the matter is is that police brutality it's not going away you don't see any reform happening you don't see these officers getting retrained if anything these officers are they're becoming more militant they're becoming more violent they're becoming the, the attacks are getting more and more brutal with it seems like with each passing month um i was reading an article just the other day uh, or uh, earlier today, I should say, about, you know, the, within the first three calendar days of 2023, we already have three dead black men in America. And that's three too many. I mean, anybody dying at the hands of police is too many. But the fact the matter is this one. This is actually the cousin of the co-founder of Black Lives Matter. This man, he was crying out for his life in a 13-minute body cam video saying they're trying to kill me. They're trying to George Floyd me. Like he's on record as saying this. And so the fact of the matter is, is A that he has somebody to reference is saying, "Yes, this is how I'm being brutalized by these cops, but he's not doing anything wrong. And then there's two other gentlemen. they get shot in the back, trying to get a, you know just trying to peacefully leave a situation they should have never been in in the first place. But these cops, for some reason, have this big blue wall they think they can hide behind, and they give them license to do whatever they want to another human being without any respect or dignity for that person's life.
2: Well, absolutely right. Uh, we ought to deal with the amputee, uh, the gentleman that was shot and killed, uh, I believe in the back as he tried to pull away from officers. He can't walk. He's not a threat, but the language they used was he scuffled away from scuffled away from cops,
4: and he gets shot in the back. They have cell phone video. ...of him on the ground, not in his wheelchair, and the police said they couldn't subdue him and he might throw the knife. We'll deal with that. I'm going to have you go into that story on the other side of this break. Uh, folks,
2: the stories get more horrendous as we go. Uh, tonight, we expose this corruption uh, in law enforcement. And it's not only the police. We're talking about sheriff's departments, county jail uh uh officers. Um, We're touching everything that has what they call a badge. We're going to address it tonight. Um, So it's important that you tune in. We'll be right back. This is Agency Radio.
5: Good morning, students, and welcome to Career Day.
6: I hope you're excited to hear about all the great things you can do when you grow up. Hi, everyone. I'm Emily. I'm super excited to introduce my dad because... He's my hero. When I was little, my dad was away a lot. But I was okay with that because he was doing this really important work, driving ambulances in Iraq. Now he's at home, which is great for me because I get to see him every day now. And he's still the biggest hero I know because he took all the ambulances and the fire engines where to go and rescue people when there's an emergency. I'm so proud of him. He's awesome. He's my
1: dad.
5: If your service-connected disability prevents you from continuing in your civilian career, Voc Rehab offers counseling, training with a living allowance, education, and other services to help prepare you for your next mission.
7: Diversity is a huge part of our society. We need it. It's instrumental. invaluable. If you leave out certain people, you then, in turn, really limit creativity and society's ability to solve problems.
3: That's what we can do in the next four years. Our world is not singular. There are so many voices
7: and experiences that deserve to be heard and expressed.
3: Diversity is really the key to life. Without diversity, life becomes stagnant. It acknowledges and values the importance of everyone, which makes us as a country even better. Martin Luther King, he had a dream. It was for everybody to be united. To
0: stand up for freedom
3: together. Without diversity, there's no
8: progress. And that's what black history is.
7: Black history. More
8: than a month.
9: We have a big problem, and we need your help.
5: It's happening on college campuses, at bars, at parties, even in high schools. It's happening to our sisters and our daughters, our wives, and our friends. It's called sexual assault, and it has to stop. It. We have to stop it. So listen up. If
4: she doesn't consent, or if she can't consent, it's rape, it's assault,
5: it's a crime, it's wrong.
9: If I saw it happening and I was taught you have to do something about it,
6: All right, Tom.
10: Get ready for the
6: day, buddy. Hey, Dad. Hey, Dad. We have a gun. What's
10: that? We have a gun. Why do you ask that, kiddo? Can I play with
6: it? No.
10: No, absolutely not. It's not a toy. You know that.
6: You watch? I bet it looks like one.
10: Yeah, well, it's not. Anyway, I need it to protect you, your sister, and mom.
6: From what?
10: From bad guys. Like on TV.
6: But what about the eight kids who get shot every day by mistake? Their daddies probably thought they were safe, too. Where'd you hear that? TV.
10: Yeah, well, maybe we don't believe everything we hear on TV. where do you keep it? <laughs> it's hidden.
6: I bet it's on top shelf for the closet, under your sweatshirt. Is it loaded?
10: It's not. I, I keep the bullets. And
6: the boots with the red pieces, and the chest beside the bed? I haven't found them yet, but I'm sure I can You always tell me to be curious. Remember when I found my Christmas gift? I'm a good climber, you know.
10: No. No, that's not what I meant. Look, I I need to be ready if someone breaks in.
6: What about when it's just me and Mom? You taught me to be brave. I can use a gun to protect her.
10: No, Justin, I promise. I'll teach you how to handle a gun when you're old enough.
6: What if I don't make it to old enough? I could get bullied and decide it's too much for me. It would be so easy with our gun.
1: Our gun. No, buddy. my gun.
6: But it is our gun in our home. Happens all the time.
10: I'll make sure that doesn't happen.
1: I'm always here for you.
6: But Dad, you're not always here.
1: <laughs> temperatures we should reach our level five, above eighty two
9: degrees by this afternoon. Clear skies tonight tonight, little low near seven. Increasing cloudy
7: Do you know anyone who's been sent to prison who's innocent? The United States is experiencing record numbers of exonerations in cases where people were wrongfully convicted of crimes they did not commit. If you believe that no one should be sent to prison for crimes they didn't commit, there is something that you can do
6: today. By remembering A Just Cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call A Just Cause at 855-529-4252 or visit a-justcause.com and click the Donate button. A Just Cause is a 501c3.
7: Wrongful convictions
6: are wrong.
7: Let's be the voice of those who can't speak from behind the wall.
5: There are no loose ends in TV procedural dramas. At the end of the hour, the bad guy always gets what's coming to him. Unfortunately, the real world is a lot more complicated. We know from the work of the Innocence Project and other organizations in the Innocence Network that the system doesn't always get it right. According to the National Registry of Exonerations, since 1989, nearly 2,000 people have been exonerated of crimes they didn't commit. What people don't realize is a good number of those people pleaded guilty to crimes, even though they were innocent. In fact, in nearly 10% of the nation's DNA exonerations, people pleaded guilty to serious crimes and agreed to serve significant prison time because the system is stacked against them, especially if they are poor and people of color. That's right. The stakes are so high that we have innocent men and women agreeing to serve long prison sentences. A system that puts that much pressure on people to plead guilty is a problem. Visit guiltypleadproblem.org to learn more about the men and women who are pressured into pleading guilty to crimes they didn't commit. And join us in demanding that our elected officials do something to protect the innocent people who get caught up in a broken criminal justice system. Thank you.
1: tonight is,
2: the question tonight is, when does life matter in this system that we call the criminal justice system? Um,
4: Dave, your thoughts on that? It's ridiculous when you see everything that the police are doing right now. You would think that since George Floyd that you would see a downtick in the number of times men and women are killed by police in unreasonable manners. When you look at the article here about the double amputee, okay, this is unfathomable to see what happened. The California cops fatally shot a double amputee as he tried to evade arrest by getting out of his wheelchair and hopping away. The officers fired roughly 10 rounds at Anthony Lowe, a 36-year-old father, whose family said he lost his legs in an encounter with police in Houston, Texas.
2: So his, his, his legs were lost
4: at the hands of law enforcement. Yes. That's what his family said. And you look at, here's, here's the thing. They said that they were called because he stabbed somebody. Okay, he had a knife. He had no legs. He wasn't even in his wheelchair trying to roll away. He's hobbling away, and you couldn't subdue him? They said, well, he was going to throw the knife. How do you know that? Well, even if he was, it's like, what is he, uh, um, a a knife-throwing expert, and he's going to get you right in the heart? It it makes no sense. They said they tased him, and it still didn't stop him. Stop (laughs) him from what? yeah from getting away it's like it makes no sense he wasn't running he had no legs
2: this is this is what is absolutely insane he got away
4: to do what
2: he has no legs like right? he's not going to go and run quickly into a place and rob it not going to happen he's not going to hurt somebody else and the the objective here is that He moved, as they use the terminology, he scuffled away with his back facing officers.
4: And you had to shoot him 10 times?
2: Didn't have to shoot that guy. Didn't have to do it. And those are the things that are very troubling. Uh, But this is a continued habitual behavior. This is not behavior that's going to end. These cops are not going to stop killing people, they're not. You got Memphis officers they did, Tyree Nichols, and beat him almost unrecognizable. Kicked him in his head. These are rogue individuals who got mental issues to beat a man to death for a traffic stop. He had a tra- it was a traffic stop.
9: And it still makes you wonder, was there some ulterior motive it why was. you really pulled him over? It
2: was. That came out days ago where the main uh,
9: person that was
2: kicking Mr. Nichols and hurting him uh, found out that uh, Mr. Nichols worked with his ex- ex-girlfriend. Um, so it was personal. You have no business with a badge. If anything on the streets become personal to you, you need to turn in your badge, your gun, and everything else because it's not going to work out. What happens is you have the death of Mr. Nichols, beaten beyond recognition as he cried for his mother, who was a block away. He got that close to his house, a block away. So he called his mom knowing if I can get to her, I'll be okay. He never made it. He never made it. The Memphis Police Department, outside of these men, should be held accountable. This is a culture, as we talk about all the time on this show, this is a culture that is embedded in the community. And come to find out these same guys were written up on different things of excessive force before, then why, why are they there? Your thoughts, Dave. Well,
4: you see this over and over again, and that's what really starts to bother me. Four days ago, an officer called in all available units for a black man that was jaywalking in San Mateo County. Then they cased him seven times and killed him. He was jaywalking. All available units for a jaywalker?
2: But this is the problem I have, like you saying, Dave, until the law enforcement culture changes to see people
11: that look like me as an African-American, as human, you can't do this. You
4: see so many different uh, stories in the news. I was just reading off of uh, or looking at a story on TikTok. They killed a black man three years ago. This recently, a white man shoots at cops.
2: Runs off into the woods. They subdue him. They catch him. He breaks away, shoots some more, rams another cop vehicle. They bring him in peacefully. This is the problem as a black man in America's society. When you see that, you see story after story after story where the cops show muzzle di- uh, discipline, gun discipline. Oh, we're not going to get too angry
4: or whatever. And the
2: guy is trying to kill the cop.
4: But no, no, no. We want to bring him in peacefully. But a black man says, hey, you can't do that. Hey, you're hurting me. Hey, I can't breathe. And they they ratchet it
2: up. He has no weapon, has no... And he's not shooting at the cops. Like I see the white counterpart. That's the fundamental. Until America and this cop culture stop and see black men as, as they said to Michael Brown, he's the Hulk. They, like, we're some... uh, a mutant
4: of some adaptation, some alien that we have this supernatural strength until they see us as equals until they see us as, Hey, he's a father. He's a brother. He a, a possibly a husband. This, this senseless killing will continue to happen.
2: Well, they're never going to see you as an equal. It's never going to happen. Um, they do not see African-Americans as equals. And as matter of fact, some of them don't see white people or Mexican people as equals either because they're role cops. They feel like they're better than you. They're above you. You're you're low to them. Um, that's not going to work. And the, the sad part about it is how many people died without a cell phone recording what happened at the hands of these officers? Absolutely. Well, and officers – go ahead, David.
11: I think what's happened, I think police have been getting away with it. I think they, uh, in many
9: instances, uh, the road
11: cops are engaging in this behavior. Well, uh, it comes to a point where a person actually dies. So they get away with it. They get away with it. They deliver their their street form of justice. And then when somebody dies, if he hadn't died, none of this probably would have, come to the light. If he just went maybe he had some bruises and, and was beaten and didn't didn't really uh, have the, the injuries as severe and the, I I don't believe the officers expected him to die. So and I I believe the culture just says, Okay, we can beat up people. People don't normally die. Uh but eventually uh, the chickens come home to roost and somebody's gonna die. And I was or to piggyback uh, off the what you said about uh it's not only race, this is a power issue uh and power tends to corrupt as lord Acton said uh back in eighteen hundred it it corrupts people and it doesn't matter if uh they said even even uh he he mentioned that even when you exercise influence and not authority and they said when you actually have have authority which police have it super adds the tendency to be corrupted by that authority. So I don't know if it's an intractable issue just with men of power. Uh and it's just an issue that that maybe you just have to hire better people. It's just but even the people who think they're better, they get power, men in many instances can't handle the power that they wield and they feel like uh they're almost like gladiators out there on the streets. They're out there having fun. Uh, we can beat this guy up, like I And you see the the cavalier nature of of their attitudes once they had finished beating this guy, yep. and he's laying there. He's just very casual about, and then start making excuses where he was pulling, grabbing for my that's gun. But such a lie. but that's a pattern in practice. Uh, well, he reached in his pocket. He uh, he turned a certain way, so we had to get him. And with regard to the WMPT, well, uh, well, you can just let him keep uh, scuttling away. Well, he's going to get tired, and and sit down somewhere and relax. You don't. What what is, what is he going to do? Killing so, him. Yeah, killing him was a completely. It was it was just some sort of somebody drunk on power. So we're going to kill this guy. He has a knife. We've been told if a guy has a weapon, uh, we can kill him, even though he can't even wield that weapon in in a manner that could actually cause a uh, serious bodily injury. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and kill them and, and think we can get away with it. And I think uh, at the end of the day, they get away with a lot of these encounters where people don't die. And, and then the, the public seems to be shocked. That's why they can't uh, really is the reason why they can't stop. They're so, they're so accustomed. You talk about the culture. They're so accustomed to engaging in this behavior. Uh, and now that, Uh, With the advent of of cell phone cameras and stuff like that, many more of these these, uh, incidents are being caught caught on camera, and the whole world can see what's going on. It
2: gives me the belief that perhaps because they thought they were black, and this is just a black person, nobody's going to make a fuss about this. We're black officers. We're not white, so let's do what we can to this guy. They're not going to bother us. It makes you wonder what the mindset was, and that would make sense. Thinking they were above the law, man. This is just right. a, had had this been a white person pulled out of a car and beaten that bad by these officers, uh, I think you're looking at a different situation.
11: Absolutely,
2: in my opinion.
11: Well, but, they make the too many people jump to race all the time, and there there are racial racism in this country, but not every stop is racist. Uh. Some of these things are just driven by by police who are drunk on power, and then and then the other ones that are racist, you get a double whammy, uh, where he's a racist and he has the power to uh, uh, to uh, enforce his racism in, in a negative way on on, on a, an African American or somebody of uh, people of color. They take that chance and they do it.
2: No, absolutely right, and that's something that we have to uh, pay attention to without question. Uh, It is the most disheartening thing that you could see. We thought George Floyd was graphic, and it was. He died before the world. The only difference with this guy, he was going to succumb to his injuries two days later. Um, And if you saw his face, even in the hospital bed, he was beaten almost unrecognizable, in my
9: opinion. And it was kind of cowardly, too, that... They were holding his arms like when they show the part where he's – two of the officers have his arms, arms behind his back, and you're taking sucker punches on the guy. Yeah. And it's like that, that to me is a person who's in their mind knowing they're feeling in themselves, no matter what happens, there's nothing going to happen to me. That's right. Because no one would do that unless you felt I'm doing this to a person, even though all of them were black. You still felt like his status in society – no one's gonna care. This is just gonna be a guy that got beat. We're gonna say that he fought against the cops yeah. and then we're gonna, you know, write on the paper. No one's because the first thing, officers always get the benefit of the doubt that they're telling the truth. If this guy hadn't have died and there were not and there were not cameras there, they probably would have got away with this. Without question. That's that. Well, we're gonna turn the page here. We have a Danette Chavez
2: on the line. She's an advocate, founder of National Action Against Police, Brutality and Murder. Uh, She was the mother of Gregory Chavez, is the founder of National Action Against Police Brutality and Murder, a grassroots organization created in response to the epidemic of police brutality and murder across the nation. I'll let her tell the rest of her story. Uh, Danette, are you with us?
7: Yes, I am. Good evening. Good
2: good evening to you. I hope we were able to accommodate your schedule a lot better uh, for you. I hope that works for you. Yes, thank you. You're welcome. And just give me the clue when you have to kind of take off and we'll uh, we'll uh, let you get back to what, what you're doing. But I think your story is important um, from what I've read. But I wanted to give you the table to our listeners and to our uh, folks here around the table tonight of what happened. How did this advocacy come uh, to fruition? And uh, tell us your story. What is it about?
7: Well, I lost my son at the hands of police at the age of 19 in October of 2004. He wasn't directly fired upon by police. He was a victim of a crossfire shooting. And where he was when it happened was like one block away from the hospital. And as his friends were trying to carry him to the hospital, Uh, NYPD was up, uh, drew their weapons, demanded they put him down. They refused, trying to explain he's been shot and taken him to the hospital right there in clear sight. And they threatened to shoot them unless they put my son down. So they did, and they were put in a patrol car. And the ambulance took a mighty long time to come, although the hospital was right across the street. And as a result, my son laid on the curb across the street from Lincoln Hospital in the Bronx and bled to death and died. And uh, I I didn't initially know the circumstances around his death because nobody wanted to tell me, in addition to the fact that I lost him, that police prevented them from taking him to the hospital. But uh, as a result of what happened with my son, I started doing a lot of work in the community uh, with the youth, and I went to a rally one day. and met some mothers from an organization who had lost their child and I was telling them my story and one was like, something doesn't sound right. They were asking me questions I couldn't answer. And then they asked me for an autopsy report and it was given to the attorney and when they investigated, they found that my my son had every possible chance of survival had he gotten the medical attention that was needed. So And a lawsuit was filed at the federal level, Mm -hmm. and uh, it was a seven-year back-and-forth postponement because the city didn't want to give up any information concerning the investigation because they were saying that uh, the matter was still being investigated. Until finally, uh, one of their detectives testified that no one is investigating the case. The case is closed, so the judge ordered the case to trial. So now throughout that seven year period I had been going to rallies, protests, meeting uh mothers who lost their child to police, and I could not get over the fact of why they were getting away with it. It didn't matter who saw it, it didn't matter they were unarmed, it was like the police, the prosecutors, they defended them to the hilt. And throughout I met A lot of organizers, organizations, and I kept insisting nationwide action needs to be taken concerning it. And everyone said, yeah, 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 it should, but nobody wanted to do it. So I launched out on my own and initiated a petition, which was supported, but not to the degree that it should have in light of the the murders that were taking place and the other organizations that I was affiliated with. But anyway... Uh, the final resolution of my case is when the judge ordered it to the city appealed it to the appellate court, and the appellate of court dismissed my case, outright dismissed it. And, and because the attorneys who took my case had took it on a contingency basis because they were certain they were going to win, they didn't want to spend any more money to pursue it further to the next stop would have been the Supreme Court. So that was the end of my case. But I had already launched this fight, and I was determined to continue in this fight because the need was blatant before my face. So that's how I initially started uh, with this demand for nationwide action. I'm actually seeking to challenge the Constitution of the United States in regards to liberty and justice for all, because that is not true or has not been true, particularly when it pertains to people of color. You know, we are punished underneath the law, but very rarely do we receive justice underneath the law. So I want, yes. So that's where I'm coming from with this this demand, this nationwide demand.
2: No, understood. Um, And that would make sense. Uh, It's a tragedy. Let me first give you, no matter how long it has been, uh, our sincere condolences from this, organization that just calls, AJC Radio, we are so very sorry um, for what happened and what you have had to live through, Um, but our prayers and thoughts are with you, and whatever we can do as an organization, uh, to help, we're more than happy to do that, so we do appreciate uh, you being on this show tonight, to share that um, has to be difficult, but we're going to do our best to to get behind you, whatever we can do, we'll, we'll do it, so please know that. Thank you. Okay, anybody got a question
9: um, for Danette? Yeah, so uh, Danette, this is uh, Kendrick Barnes. My question is, do you know what the uh, legal reasoning, why the uh, appellate court uh, denied your case? I mean, or actually went with the government on appeal?
7: They said that the behavior of the officers had to be so egregious that it shocked the conscience and they didn't feel that the circumstances around the case met those standards. Uh, they pretty much uh, sympathized or, you know, agreed with the position of the police that uh, they didn't know the situation or the circumstances and that their main focus was to secure the area. And they always said that they had called an ambulance But there were witnesses that said that they didn't or that the ambulance came here really, really late. And it was those things. But the main thing that I remember was the judge saying that uh, in order for them to be successful, that the actions of the officers had to be so egregious that it shocked the conscience. And they didn't find the actions that the officers took you know, to meet
2: those standards. Well, the standard was met automatically when you kill this 19-year-old boy. What are they looking for? Mm. See, to me, that's why the belief in the system and their so-called explanations
11: fall short of anything that's true. Um, Well, and that goes to the fact that the cops... Are always given the benefit of the doubt now obviously they exercise extremely poor judgment with a hospital across the street you had to see the man who was bleeding and and was injured why wouldn't you and goes back to the same thing why didn't you render aid and and
7: because
11: an officer went over to the hospital and say come outside
10: why are you calling
11: an ambulance come outside Hey, if somebody's out here bleeding to death, and come get this guy, sure. even if you were trying to secure the scene, it was reasonable uh, for them for a hospital being across the street. Even let one of the young men go over and say, "Okay, just go get somebody and bring them out," and the officers will deal with them when they get there. Their their behavior <laughs> uh, it was negligent. Uh, they uh, all officers are required to render aid. They didn't render any aid, and this this the uh, uh, net son was obviously uh, severely injured and or bleeding to death. And he succumbed to his injuries simply because police would not walk across the street or allow a guy to be uh taken across the street to a hospital. It's it's absolutely ridiculous.
7: Well the problem is you don't care. They tell me <clears throat> they tell me that they are not allowed to move victims, that they fear a lawsuit but uh by moving them that in case they further damaged victim. But when I see them beat the crap out of somebody and put the cuffs on them, they don't seem too concerned about that individual's welfare. I saw how they beat the crap out of Tyree Nichols, you know, and dragged them and left them there and, you know, and didn't do anything to render any type of aid. And this is the type of mentality that they work with. You know, it's like they beat the crap out of you and subdue you and cuff you like you're an animal. Like they just caught and hunted an animal, okay? He's subdued. They don't care about your well-being after that. You know, it's savage behavior on the part of police. And I want to say about those officers in the Tyree Nichols case, I wish, because this is the first time ever in the over 12 or 15 years that I've been dealing with this issue, that I've ever seen politicians, police, police and authority come out point blank and speaks about the savagery of those officers. I've never seen white officers who murdered people of color have their superiors come out point blank and say, you were wrong, you need to go to jail, it was brutal. I mean, they were very, very descriptive, down to the teeth when it came to those black officers. But when it's white officers, it's, well, that's not much judgment. We We have to conduct an investigation Oh, you can't always believe what the video says. There might be an angle you didn't see. This is what we're told. So I hope that they keep that same energy that they use for those black black officers when it's a white officer who murders or savagely beats somebody. Keep that same energy and be just as descriptive when you're talking about how savage and brutal they were.
2: No, absolutely right. Absolutely right. And uh, that tells you a little bit where, where this country is. Um, uh, Danette, do you have a few more minutes? We are going to be getting another guest here on here shortly. Did you have a few more minutes as we come back? To yeah, break? I have
7: time. My issue was just getting on here, <laughs> but I'm no. here now. Okay.
2: And if you got to go, we, we will definitely respect your time. Okay. All right. And, all right. Ladies and gentlemen, um hearing from Danette Chavez. Regarding the death of her son, left to bleed out in a situation that the no-care attitude is up in front and center. What has happened to this country is absolutely horrific. And the lack of care for human life from law enforcement is outrageous. We're going to deal with it more on the other side of the break. This is AJC Radio.
0: Black like History Month is a month of
8: celebration, uh, a month of you know, how far we've come, uh, our past, our people of today, uh, just a celebration of all black culture. The opportunities that we have today would not exist without the sacrifices uh, of those before us. They really paved the way for us. The things that really matter during the month is just to
1: continue to push forward make sure we continue honoring those thoughts and, you know, those individuals.
10: My nephew Joshua was 13 when he was killed in 2001. Was living with me at the time. He asked me, can I go by Billy's house? I thought, well, you know, what's the harm in that? You know, my mistake was I assumed that there was a parent home. I assumed his father had his weapon properly secured. The kid had removed the magazine, so the kid was sure that the gun was safe. And he, what he didn't know was there was a bullet chamber. Joshua had this fear of weapons because he lost his mother to gun violence. I think this kid really pulled the trigger to show Joshua that that it was not dangerous. The hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life is to tell my mom we have to bury her grandson. The pain was so great, we just wanted to do something positive And we also wanted to try to prevent families from experiencing the same pain that this put my family through. We've working with the End Family Fire campaign. Family Fire is the accidental shooting of a family member with a weapon that was improperly secured, improperly stored. It's a difficult conversation for people. You don't want to ask or say anything to your neighbors because you don't want to offend them, but there are important things we should know. Where are they going when they play? (laughs) What is the environment of that home? We have to understand that children are inquisitive. They're curious, and there's not one corner of the house that they haven't gone through. If you're a gun owner, you have to make sure your weapon is inaccessible. It will save the family from the pain and the trauma that my family's put through. Because once that happens, it's forever. And if I could prevent one family from experiencing that, then his life will have some purpose.
2: For a kid whose mom or dad is in prison, life is tough. Now add a wrongful conviction to that, life just got a little bit tougher. Against wrongful convictions, call a just calls today one eight five 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 two nine four two five two We seek justice for the children as they go to bed at night and mom's not there. Dad's not in the other room to make them feel safe, not because Dad or mom did anything wrong, because justice could not be found. Join us for the children, for they truly are our future.
9: When does it stop being partly cloudy and start being partly sunny? Why is the word abbreviation so long? Are English muffins just muffins in England? Why is it called a washing line and not a drying line? Do fish get thirsty? If ghosts can walk through doors, why don't
0: they fall through floors? Do you yawn when you sleep? If prunes are dried plums, how
12: do
9: they make prune juice? Why do doctors leave the room when you change? They're going to see you naked anyway. Do board chefs wear hairnets? How much deeper would the ocean be if all the sponges were taken out? Do you believe someone who says they're a chronic liar? Why is sandwich bread square and sandwich meat round? Life's full of hard questions. Ask one more. You might just save a life.
5: We're not friends. Why are you talking to me? You started
1: it. This is so gross.
7: Lame. Loser. Weirdo. I've said and done things before that I'm not proud of, just as I've been hurt by others.
6: The thing is, this, this is not who I am. And it's definitely not who I want
1: to be. I
7: don't want to be cruel. I don't want to spread gossip.
1: I don't want to be a body shaver. I don't want to exclude anyone.
7: I don't want to make anyone feel lonely,
1: left out, hurt.
5: We can create a kinder world. It's not that hard. We just need to stop, take a moment, and consider others before we speak
7: and before we act. Be more.
5: Be more. Be more.
2: Welcome back to AJC Radio tonight as we are dealing with excessive force in our law enforcement agencies across the country, of course, uh, doing a centerpiece, of course, on Tyree Nichols out of Memphis, uh, the beating death that we all witnessed uh, as a country, as a nation, and many around the world saw that type of brutal uh, action taken against Mr. Nichols which was not necessary. It was a traffic stop uh, for reckless driving. You can get a traffic stop for reckless driving simply from maybe moving over into a lane and going back. They can get you for reckless driving just with that. Uh, Is that a death sentence? Absolutely not. The death sentence came in as a result of um, there was a personal connection one of the main officers that did the beating of this man with an ex-girlfriend of his or ex-wife of his. Um, I think those two had come together, uh, at least what I've heard in reports. But it doesn't justify you to dishonor the badge. People break up every day. But now it's a problem because you're a macho cop and your woman has said, you know what? You're not as ego, you're not as macho as you think. I really don't want nothing to do with you. That's a hit to That's a blow to his ego. He has
11: power to do something about
2: it. He has power to do something about it. He chose the alternate avenue to go down. And uh, taking the life of this young man is absolutely horrendous. We still have Danette Chavez on the line. Is she with us?
7: Hi, yes, I'm here.
2: Thank you, Jeanette. Uh Donovan Duran Sr. um is he has he is he on the line? Okay, they're going to be bringing him on shortly and we're going to continue continue this dialogue. Dinette, uh, let me ask you a question while we wait for him to come on. Um I would I would believe that your trust in the criminal justice system uh, would be completely shattered. Is that a fair assessment?
7: Yeah, I have no confidence in the criminal justice system at all.
2: And that's uh that would be understandable. Um I, I, I'm just I marvel at what we see happen in this country. Um and for people becoming advocates as you have become that came through a sincere tragedy. Um, I'm saddened about that. Uh, And that's why I said, whatever Just Cause can do to help, we're more than happy to help, we're advocates as well. And whatever we can do to help,
11: please call on us to do so. Well, and I think uh, Jeanette's situation is what a lot of Americans suffer. We see the George Floyd uh, incidents uh, and Tyree Nichols on television, but what's happening every day, obviously the Nets case didn't get any sort of national attention. Uh, but what's happening every day are things that occurred and what happened to her son. Then that's why there's so much. And people look at some, uh, African American, well, why are this, why are they feeling like this? Well, they'll look at the Tyrone Nets case. Well, the system did something about it, but they didn't do something about the Nets case. And they didn't do something about, uh, Uh, Joe Sixpack's case in in Illinois and this other person's case in Florida and another person's case in Iowa, there's just not, these cases are in the dark and they're not brought to the light. So people don't know just how pervasive uh, the problem is because uh, average people who don't deal with this on a regular basis, in many cases, average white people who don't deal with it on on a regular basis still have this this, uh, blind faith in the system and feel like these are just isolated incidents. They are not isolated incidents. Incidents is this stuff goes on consistently and pervasively across the country. And that's why there's so much distrust, uh, in, in the system.
13: Oh, I agree. You
7: know, one
11: of the, one of the
7: tragedies to this is that there are countless families. I I, I can call you up 50 right now on Facebook that are all in groups, that have all lost a loved one at the hands of police, and nobody knows the name of their loved one. The tragedy in this fight is that justice depends upon your ability to highlight your tragedy in the media, okay? If there's a video, lucky you, because it helps. It's like if your case or your loved one's name is not blasted in the media, you get little to no support. And I'm talking about people who have lost children at the hands of police, and police go days, weeks, months, and don't even... Tell them the reason why, okay? They are left on a runaround trying to find out why did you shoot my child. The police always say we're investigating. We're not allowed to give any information until we conclude our investigation. But while they're investigating, they're busy slandering the murdered victim in the media. If he yes. has a record, they pull it out. If he's been arrested, they pull it out they They slander them ridiculously while saying nothing to the family about why you took this person's life. It's a horror. Mm-hmm. It's a horror show, and the depth of it hasn't even been begin to be told what a parent goes through simply trying to get an explanation as for why police took their loved one. There's zero communication. There's nobody that can force the police to give a family an explanation until the police get good and ready. Okay, nobody. Okay, I'm telling you, weeks and months, no reason, no explanation, and they fully expect you to just go on and bury your child and go on about your business because nine times out of ten, The conclusion of the investigation is we found no wrongdoing, okay? And then you have to run from pillar to post, okay? The police won't do anything. Now you have to appeal to the district attorney, open my case, open my case. They don't do it, go to the federal government. That's if you have the ability to get an attorney, okay? If you can't afford to get an attorney, and the duty that you see doesn't think your case is merited enough for them to take on a contingency basis, you are literally on your own, okay? And there's nothing that you can do.
2: Yes. No, no, I agree with you 100%.
11: And you know what's sad, uh, Lamont, is you hear you keep hearing these these structural issues. Well, in all law enforcement, we don't talk about an ongoing investigation. So... Law enforcement is allowed to sit back and silently go about their business, like like Danette said, in many cases, slandering the guy just because he has a criminal record, as if that justifies their behavior, and uh, continuing to uh, tout the fact that well, we don't talk about an ongoing investigation while they're in the background cleaning up or trying to clean up uh, the stuff their officers have done. And trying to put together a narrative that supports uh, the police in in no wrongdoing. And this, and I said, just like Jeanette said, she can bring up fifty people that have lost kids, lost kids that no one knows about. Yep. And because of these structural issues, we don't talk about ongoing investigations. And no matter what happens, you can see it at the state level, city level, federal level. We don't talk about ongoing investigations. So even if the media wanted to know something, even they've accepted the fact with the ongoing investigation, they can't talk about it. Well, as 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 time ages through this process, it just kind of withers away on the vine and nobody ever ends up talking about it. And it just kind of slowly goes away. And uh, the parents and the family members of of these of these killed by police just have to sit back and and try to uh, just live, live with, with the with the. The wreckage of their life uh, from police misconduct.
7: And
13: then net people, uh, people
7: don't understand the power of when police say you have a criminal record. People don't understand the power of that. It alienates everybody away from you. Okay. Society says, oh, whatever they did to you, you obviously deserved it because you had a criminal history. You've been arrested before. It doesn't talk about if the charges were dismissed. It doesn't talk about, you know, uh, 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 how menial the charges was, just that you were arrested. Not convicted, but just arrested. That's right. One out of four blacks get arrested every day in the United States, and arrest is not enough to conclude somebody is a criminal. But I'll give you a classic example. Do you remember the Eric Garner case? Yes. The young man who filmed it, his name was Ramsey Order, for about a week. Maybe a week and a half. Ramsey order was hailed the hero, saluted and praised by everyone for that video that he took of his friend's murder. Right? Yes. Yes. Today, those same officers put in the papers that he had been arrested. They in fact went and arrested him. People alienated and distanced themselves from him, including Al Sharpton, who was in the church at the funeral hugging ramsey order and thanking him for what he had done but when the police said he has a history of priors he has been arrested everybody left him okay his family contacted me and i was the one we raised fifty five thousand dollars for his bail trying to keep him out of jail because the police were harassing not just him but his family his mother behind that video and the part that they never tell is the reason that he was out there in the first place and able to take that video is because police habitually harassed them in that area. And he decided that he was fed up with it, that he was gonna have his camera with him. And that's how he caught the murder of Eric Garner.
2: Yep. yep. That's uh that's really uh um it's a saddening statement of truth, but it's the truth.
11: Um, and, this is and we have no love for Al Sharpton. Well, I'm sorry, he's become a political house Negro. I'm gonna go ahead and put it out there. Um and that's what he's seeing. He he shows up, he's a political opportunist, he shows up at every event where where it's getting some media attention and and is there but uh, and we have some personal experience with him. Not really want to do something unless it gets some national media attention. So uh, well, I, hate, I hate to, be, hate to be, be frank, but that's just the way, that's just the way I see it.
2: Well, I had uh, talked to Mr. Sharpton um, some years ago in Washington D.C. Uh, about the R.P. Five situation. Uh, he didn't have time. Uh, unless it's on the big stage, uh, they don't have time to help. Right now uh Jeanette, hang tight with us. We're going to bring on Donovan Duran. Uh he is a gentleman I've talked to in brief. Um but he was in a bad situation regarding cops. Is he with us?
8: Hi, yes sir. I'm right here. How you doing?
2: Hello Mr. Duran. How are things going?
8: Um things have been still rough lately, but um you know, my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, he's getting me through, so just taking it one day at a time how are you doing sir? uh
2: we're doing good and uh, wait, i was uh waiting for the opportunity uh to have you on to share your story uh last time it was a little we had a little difference things uh, different things going on at that time but we uh our prayers and thoughts have always been with you um I'm gonna give you the floor uh, I have Danette chavez on the line. she was talking about the
8: taking of life from her son by police officers. Um, and may, may her son rest in paradise, and I'm so sorry about about her son. Yes, my condolences a bit to of, her and yes, and her family. Yeah, she's listening
2: to you, so we appreciate that.
8: So, um, so, so, is what was what happened with with my story? I was, uh, I was getting kind of, you know, I was drinking, but I know I've always been an alcoholic, so I mean, I've always drank, so it was nothing like. Nothing out of the ordinary for me. It was just like same old stuff. Um, That day, I uh, had been arguing with my father. Um, You know, we're just arguing about father-son stuff, nothing, you know, nothing big. And anyways, my grandfather, uh, I would stay at my grandfather's house. He lives uh, just literally right around the corner from my father, so about one block away. And, uh, I would, li- I would stay there and I'd just go back and forth that week. Um, that week I was stopped by the Lahana police five times by the same cop. Um, it was the same officer that,
10: that, you know,
8: broke my neck. Um, so the, you know, so as what happened. Um, I kept, you know, I kept telling the officers just put, you know, I put my hands up, I, I don't know how many people seen the video, but if they don't know, my video um, of the cops breaking my neck is on YouTube under Donovan Duran. Um, you can see them with the police body cam. So they take me to the hospital because um, I I tell them just arrest me because uh, I I was dealing with you know I was dealing with some mental problems at the time, um, you know so I wasn't in my right head and I I wanted to get help. I kept asking them just handcuff me and take me to jail. Um, so they they drive me over to the hospital in La Junta. So that's Arkansas Valley Regional Medical Center. And they park in the back, um, you know, they open up the door um, while I'm handcuffed, my hands behind my back and they throw me onto my face, which breaks my it breaks my C6, C7 spinal cord, um, so that, uh, I'm paralyzed from my chest all the way down, um, my hands are, they don't really work, they don't open or close, nothing like that, but, you know, um, after that, after that, you can see in the video, my, my bones pretty much just obviously popping out of my neck,
1: um,
8: I knew something was wrong because I couldn't even lift my neck and you can see in the video when they kept telling me Donovan get up get up I was whispering because I couldn't barely talk my neck just got broke you know um so I'm telling them I can't I can't um and the both of them they proceed to drag me like a rag doll they um uh, they drag me to a to a hosp I mean, to a, a wheelchair, they throw me in like pretty gruesomely. Then, um, then Officer um, Vincent Breaker, I mean, he's the guy that broke my neck. He's just squeezing my hand. I mean, and he is squeezing my neck. Like he's squeezing my neck so bad, you can see, you can see the whiteness when you know in his fingertips when he's squeezing my neck. So after that, they take me to, um, they take me to a guarded room and, um, they take me to a guarded room, um, where there's, you know, there's windows and they close the door. They, um, they, they handcuffed me to a gurney. Um, they handcuffed my legs to, you know, to the stretcher or the bed that was in there. Um. And I I remember it it, it was honestly, sir, like a nightmare. It was like, I was like, I, I, I was freaking out. I'm like, I'm at a place at a hospital where they saved lives and I'm literally fighting for my life. And so I'm crying out loud. I mean, at this moment, I mean, I'm praying to God, I'm saying, Lord Jesus, please let someone come and help me, please. I mean, I mean, can you imagine the pain if your neck just got broken? Can you imagine how much pain you would be in? I remember. I remember like it was yesterday. I was in so much pain. And um, they um, they proceeded to tell me, I know we can't cuss, but they told me, shut the F up, Donovan. And I, I'm just like shocked. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I can't believe this. Like, I'm literally crying for help. I really need help. And these guys are just telling me to shut the F up. And, you know, I'm like, wow, I can't believe this is happening. So after after I was locked in there over 12 hours, the cops, they, ne- they left me there. They never filed a report. Um, so the security guard and doctor, um, Dr. James Brady, he comes in the hospital and he says, all right, get up, Donovan. Real rude, real. Just get up, Donovan. I told him, sir, I can't. He said, "Get up, Donovan," and I said, "Sir, I'm telling you, I can't. There is something wrong with my legs. They don't feel right." Uh, and so, um, I, I told him, sir, there, you know, there is something like seriously wrong with my neck. It's in it's in excruciating pain. And he said, "You know what, Donovan? Stop wasting everybody's time." And and I and at that moment. I, I got upset with him and I said, you know what, sir? If I can get up, I would get up. I would run home and I would finish my vodka.
1: That was my
8: exact words to him because I remember, like I say, it's like I it was just like yesterday. I could see it in my head. I remember every word, every everything. And um, so at that at that time, he got so upset with me. He thought, I don't know if he thought I was lying or I don't know what he thought, but he got behind me. He put his arms behind me, grabbed me, lifted me up to my feet um, and just dropped me. He just let go and I was already paralyzed. So my legs did the split; One went in front of me, one went behind me. My neck is dangling because I can't even hold it up because it's broken. And the... I mean, I remember seeing the look on the doctor's eyes. His eyes got so wide. He said, get this guy to the x-ray room immediately. They picked me up, put me on the stretcher. They took me to the x-ray room. I came out. Dr. Brady came up to me and he said, Donovan, I'm sorry to tell you, but you have a broken spinal cord. And I said, why wouldn't you believe me, Dr. Brady? I kept begging you and telling you guys that there was something wrong with me. And he said, I'm sorry. I just had to make, I just had to be sure. And I said, you know what? You're going to have to answer to Jesus Christ. That's what you're going to have to answer to. You're going to have to answer to God. And next thing you know, the two guys in the helicopters came and they said, they said, go ahead, Donovan, just close your eyes because we'll be in the we'll be in Aurora in 45 minutes. And I went in the helicopter. And next thing you know, I wake up in a hospital at um, University of Colorado Hospital to my mom and my sisters. And there's this big tray hanging out of my throat. I can't talk to nobody. So they give me this alphabet. And that's how I talk to my family. There's heart and you could say, I love you or there'd be like a glass of water. You could point and you could say, I'm thirsty. And yeah had little pictures on there that that's how I talked to my family for a few weeks before I thought they they thought I was never going to get the trach out of my out of my throat. I mean, they thought I was never going to be able to breathe on my own because my oxygen was so low. But I, I, I just remember I kept looking over at my baby's pictures, my, my eight-year-old son and my seven year old daughter, um, Donovan Jr. and Opal Ray, uh, I kept looking at their picture. At the time, there were only, my daughter was a newborn and my son was barely like one. I just kept looking over at their picture and I said, That's what I'm fighting for. That's what I'm fighting for. And that's why I never gave up. There's times that I just wanted to give up. I mean, there's times where. I thought maybe suicide would be a better option, but, no, I can't. I got I got babies that need their father, and, and I got God, and, you know, I don't want to go to hell,
1: you know.
8: And uh, I just, I'm trying to do things right, trying to get right with the Lord. I'm trying to change a lot of things that I've done in my past. I don't want to be known as the drunk gang banger or whatever people portrayed me out to be, some monster. I mean, I read... If you if you go to my YouTube comments and read some of the comments, and there's people telling me that, oh, it's a good thing. He's going to live his life uh, for the rest of his life with a catheter, living in his own feces. I mean, I've heard it all, and I'm just like, man, these people don't even know me, you know, and they're just talking. So, so I've been through a lot, sir No, listen, uh,
2: Donovan, I cannot tell you how heart wrenching uh, that story is, uh, and it's not a story; it's a life truth that has happened to you and to be treated that way um, okay, concerns uh, me do greatly.
8: Do you do you want to know what gets even? You want to know what gets even worse? Okay, I'll tell you my my current situation. My current situation. I live in. I live in a place called Rocky Ford, Colorado. It's infested with with drug addicts, and just it's just filled with a lot of just people that do drugs. And um, so, me, I had a lot of friends before this happened, and after this, you think you have friends, and people know that you're getting a lawsuit. I mean, you have, you trust me. You have people come out of the woodworks. And sure. I, I, I've gotten, oh, I've gotten a lot of friends, and it's so sad. My family, my own family, my own mother and my own sisters, they um, took me for over $250,000. My brother-in-law took me for $15,000, and when I recently asked them, hey, you know, are you going to start paying me back that money you owe me? Um, they got mad, and um, I was living with my mother, and for years she's been – Um, neglecting me and abusing me. She would leave me literally in my own feces and my own urine. She wouldn't change me. She wouldn't.
2: I'll ask you one more question. Were you aware that that is the highest number of people behind bars in the entire world? The United States makes up of only 5% of the world's population, but we have over 25% of the world's prison population. America prides itself on being the most advanced and progressive nation in on earth. However, sadly, we are also the world's most archaic. I'm going to give you a personal invitation to get involved with the fight against mass incarceration. Take a few moments to call 1-855-529-4252. That is a just cause. And we fight for justice. Again, call a just cause today. Don't delay. Call 1-855-529-4252. It is time, and I say high time, that we take America's incarceration seriously. Won't you join us?
13: Call today. You can tell a lot about someone by what they spend their money on their priorities, their concerns, and their motives. Big Pharma says their top priority is research and development. They say the prescription drug costs are so high because they spend so much on research. But the simple truth is 9 out of the 10 biggest pharma companies spend 50% more on advertising than they do on research and development. It's true. Tens of billions more. The more they spend, clearer it becomes. Big Pharma's priorities are more ads,
5: more sales,
13: and higher costs to you. It's time for Big Pharma to get their priorities straight. Americans deserve open and honest prescription drug pricing. Let's solve the cost crisis now. Visit CSRXP.org. What's up, y'all? It's your
14: boy on stage, and I'm afraid I'll be killed by police. Not all police, just one police officer who fears first life and thinks I have a gun. I'm afraid I'll match the description of someone who called 911, the police will arrive, and before I know it, I'll be dead. Not all cops are bad, but for me, all it takes is one who is afraid for his life, and that leaves me dead. He could have had a pristine record up until that, but if he's afraid that day, that means it's the end for me. He could have been a bad cop his whole entire career and not be afraid, that means the end for me. I used to think this wouldn't happen to me because I'm a law-abiding citizen. I won't ever be doing anything or be anywhere I shouldn't be. I'll comply with officers. But that doesn't always seem to be the case. Here's some examples of what Black people were doing when they were killed by police. Selling CDs outside of a supermarket. Selling cigarettes outside of a corner store. Walking home with a friend. Missing a front license plate. Riding a commuter train. Holding a fake gun in a park in Ohio. Holding a fake gun in a Walmart in Ohio. Holding a fake gun in Virginia. Calling for help after a car accident, driving with a broken brake light, failing to signal a lane change, walking away from police, walking toward police, running to the bathroom in your apartment building, walking up the stairwell of your apartment building, sitting in your car before your bachelor party, holding your wallet, not wearing a seatbelt in police custody, attending a birthday party, laughing. The thing that makes me most afraid is I'll be afraid. I don't know what I'll do if a police officer has a gun pointed at me and is shouting instruction. I'm afraid I'll move too fast, too slow, not fast enough. I'll reach for something he asked me to reach for, and he'll think it's a gun. I'm afraid I won't be calm, and me not being calm could be the end of me. I'm afraid that I can die in front of my wife or children or both. I'm afraid my children will be somewhere without me and suffer the same fate. I'm afraid the police officer will be in plain clothing so they won't even recognize that this is a police officer and they don't respect him and treat him like the authority he is because they don't know he is. And here's what's going to happen if I die. People will comment on a post about me and here's what they'll say. If he would have just done this, he would be alive today. If he would have just done that, he'd be alive today. All you have to do is listen to police and you'll be fine. If he would have just listened to the officer's orders, he'd be here today. If you care so much, why don't you care about what's happening in Chicago? What about black-on-black crime? Don't you care about that? The media will find the worst picture of me to use, and since I don't have any brushes with the law or mug shots, they'll find the most menacing or intimidating photo they can use. They won't use any of my wife or children or my family because that doesn't tell the story that they want to tell. Tammy Lauren will get on TV and tell them it was my fault, or Glenn Beck or Sean Hannity or Rush Limbaugh will get on the radio. Fox News will have a field day with me. They'll say, we don't have all the facts. The video doesn't clearly show. You don't know. What if he was? It looked like he was. You can't tell clearly. We can't see what's in his right hand or left hand. You don't know what the officers were feeling. They already won't protect me or protect my death, even if I say I'm a licensed gun owner and I tell the police officer that when he pulls me over. The video will be posted all over the internet in a matter of seconds. And whether or not you want to see it, you will see my dead body lying on the ground or a video of an officer shooting me or me dying live on Facebook. And then people will say it's not about race, we're all one people, all lives matter. And then life will go on. That's the scariest thing. After a while, life will go on. The officers may or may not get arrested. More than likely, they won't be convicted. More than likely, they won't even be indicted. And before you can totally mourn my death, it'll happen again. That's why I'm afraid.
2: Back, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio tonight. A heart wrenching show to two heroes who I call them. Donovan Duran, what he endured brings tears to my eyes. To Danette Chavez, the same. People are hurting more than what's reported. People are in pain because of injustice that continues to happen with law enforcement. It continues. After each killing, we hear the same rhetoric. We need to sit down and have a conversation. We've done that. Thing has changed. It, believe it or not, has gotten worse. Knowing that you have body cam footage You are that bent on killing and maiming citizens of this nation, those of color. Tyree Nichols, I can only imagine the pain from his mother. Does anybody care anymore? Just calls AJC Radio, we absolutely do. And Danette, let me pose this question for you because I'm getting ready to let you go. You've been a true hero, a woman of strength to share your story as you have. Um, when you hear Donovan tell what egregious actions were taken against him to the point that paralyzed him permanently, what are your thoughts um. when you hear that?
7: Um. My first thoughts, based on the injuries that he sustained and the doctor picking him up in disbelief of those injuries and how he fell and he landed, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that he's here by a miracle of God because those injuries should have killed him, and they didn't. And I would like to say to him Uh, to consider because you've suffered a lot from your families and discovered your friends weren't really your friends and you lost a lot of money in the process. But I want to ask you, if you have not yet done so, to please consider stop drinking. I believe that a lot of what occurred to you is as a result of your drinking. Money flies right out the door through drinking, and you're not really in your right state of mind, and you don't make good decisions. And as a result, you become in such a way that your family and friends can no longer tolerate you. But the same God who saved your life and preserved you Is still available. In your condition now, you have a lot of work to do, but you did say you had children, and that's who you are here for, and I'd like for you to remember that and get re-in touch with the same God who saved you when you called on him that day in the hospital.
2: And we uh, thank you for that, Danette. Uh, Thank you, As we go forward here, as we are against the wall on time, thank you for taking the time this evening to uh, share your thoughts, your story, and uh, we wish you Godspeed, and our prayers and thoughts continue to be with you as well, okay?
7: Thank you, and please share my petition and my GoFundMe so people can support who would like to.
2: Yes, ma'am, we'll definitely do that.
7: Thank you, and good night.
1: Thank you. Good night.
10: Okay.
2: Donovan, are you with us? Here. Thank you so much for your patience. Um,
8: Uh, I'll say this. uh, uh,
2: Go ahead. Go ahead, Donovan.
8: I I just wanted to ask everybody who's listening to this and everybody who's hearing this to please say a Say a prayer for me. Say a prayer for me and my children because we really need it. And I, God bless you all. I thank you.
2: Yeah, and I'm not quite done with you yet, Donovan. I, I will say this to you. Um, there are things that happen in life that are beyond our existing circumstances. It just is. Things happen. What the officers did to you um, cannot be justified because you were a drinker at some point or you were on this thing or that thing. I take all that off the table and say the actions of these officers was not about what you had to drink. It's about abuse. That's what it is. Yes, these officers abused you beyond Anything that stands to reason. So I need you to know yes, that. Sir. For me, it just cause uh, we salute your courage. We know a person cannot sustain those injuries. As the as Danette said, except God help them. That's bigger than any person. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, a broke neck usually is fatal. Is that right, Samson? Uh, uh-
3: yeah, and, and what I've seen, you know, because being been in the military and see people get hurt all the time, um, yeah, a high, a high percentage of them, I mean, once you sever the spinal cord, once you break those vertebrae, like he had, because he said you had the C5 and C6. Is that C6 right, Donovan? c 7 C6 and C7. C6 so yeah, so that, and C7. Yes, C6 and C7. Yeah, that's that's a very high risk of death right there. So yeah, it is nothing but the hand of God, uh, in my personal opinion, on you that, that kept you this far. Um, but yeah, as, as, uh, as the lady mentioned, I mean, it is, it is his hand on your life. Um, but yeah, you're definitely here for a reason, man. No, and
2: we, anything we can do.
3: So Donovan, are you
2: still okay? Um, without asking too personal of a question, I know you said a lot of money was taken from you. Are you still okay or stable to take care of yourself?
8: yeah absolutely I mean I get annuity each month from the lawsuit i mean um i will be honest with you from like six million I only have like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars left so
1: yeah yeah yep
2: well, I can tell you we are we are very very sorry for you for your injuries, what you endured at the hand of law enforcement It is absolutely outrageous, and I am absolutely Sickened by it, uh, and something needs to be done. I want to ask that you stay in touch with uh, me. I will be in touch with you offline. Um, one,
8: one thing I wanted to tell you: the cop that did this to me, he yep. got promoted to be the investigator of the district attorney's office, and he is also now the um, he is the director of the law enforcement academy at OJC in La Honta. Wow, well, how do That's you reward how corrupt that? These cops yep. are. That's how corrupt they are. I got you.
2: Well, Donovan, get some rest tonight. Uh, I'm going to be calling you at some point tomorrow. I do have your number. Okay, my friend. Uh, me and you will stay in contact uh, with one another, and I'll be here any way that I can for you. And we'll get into more I dialogue. That. Okay. Get some rest, okay, tonight. God Thank you for taking time you. this evening. Yes, God bless you. Yes, you have a good night. God bless you. It was an, it was an honor. Thank you, it's our honor as well. Thank you so much. Heart wrenching, man. we am going to come back, other side of the break, discuss some of these things. Without question, next Thursday we will be part two of, of excessive force. We couldn't get into everything tonight, but enough to get the ball rolling. And I, if you feel like I feel right now. It is saddening that officers
10: continue
2: to do the lives what they are doing. A very special welcome uh, and thank you to Danette Chavez for joining our show about the death and killing of her 19-year-old son by law enforcement. Um, our thoughts and prayers are with you as well. Ladies and gentlemen, this is AJC Radio. The number is 646-200-0628. We are against the clock. But if you want to make a call in about this show, you can feel free to do that at 646-200-0628. This is AJC Radio.
13: We'll be right back. She's
6: coined a new term for the times we're
9: living in. Brace for it, Parents of America. Alternative
6: facts. Alternative facts. Wow. Oh. What? Alternative, Alternative. facts? Lies. We fix. Also known as stereotypes or false narratives. It's like saying black history began with slavery. That's offensive. Or that we'll never see another black president in our lifetime. What about me? This Black History Month, we're focusing on the facts. Not on a facts. Indisputable. Truth. Real. Black magic is real. Black boy joy is real. Black wealth is real. Black beauty is real. Black support is real. Black excellence is real. It's real. Black love, that's real. Black lives are real. I'm real. Black history didn't begin with slavery. And it doesn't end with the Obama, whom we love. And miss, no, like, really, we really miss you. Facts. There's a lot of mud when it rains here, and it makes it really hard to find food. There are car bombs every day. My mom worries about me when I go out. Every time I hear the alarm bell go off in school, I think it's an air raid. Sometimes I have nightmares about it. A lot of houses in our neighborhood have been destroyed. I like to close my ears and sing songs whenever the bombs come close. My dad says we have to leave, which makes me scared. I'm worried our new neighbors won't like us. What if they don't understand our religion? Because they don't speak the language. It might be hard for me to make friends. But I know it's all going to be okay. It's all going to be worth it. I just want my family to be safe. But these are not my words. These are not my words. These are not my words.
1: The
12: United States houses more human beings in prisons than any other country in the world. This is true whether you're counting total numbers or in relation to population size. This wasn't always the case. The number of prisoners in the U.S. began to rise dramatically in the 1970s. So what changed in America compared to other countries? While there are several competing theories, a look at the data reveals that a significant part of the prison growth in the last 40 years has been driven by the war on drugs. Here's the data. By 1980, there were over 315,000 prisoners in state and federal facilities. 57% were violent offenders. 30% were property violators such as thieves or those convicted of fraud. 5.5% of inmates were in for public order and other miscellaneous offenses. And the remaining 7.5% were nonviolent drug law violators. 10 years later, the drug war had grown, and the total American prison population had more than doubled to over 740,000 inmates. The proportion of offenders in each type of crime had also changed dramatically. The most growth occurred in the nonviolent drug offender population, which grew to a significant 24%. And this last statistic actually understates the influence of the drug war on prison populations. Many studies have shown that drug prohibition causes violent crime by leading to the formation of gangs and cartels. And thus, it is safe to say that the number of violent criminals under prohibition is higher than it would otherwise be. From 1990 to 2000, the drug-driven population growth continued. By 2000, the total prison population had almost doubled again to over 1.3 million inmates. And by 2010, the prison population was up to 1.6 million people. The growth has started to settle and even decline in recent years, but the proportions of offenses are retaining their post 1990 levels. America's unique methods of enforcing drug prohibition seem to parallel its unique prison population. And one has to ask, is our country really better off with so many nonviolent drug offenders behind bars? Are drug users likely to be cured from addiction by being locked up? Has locking up dealers and users lessened the demand for drugs? Certainly the effects on overall usage could not be called a success. And yet we spend billions every year on this war and lock up hundreds of thousands. Surely there must be a less costly approach to addressing drug use in America.
2: Gentlemen, a just cause returning back to you tonight, agency radio, excessive force that results in death is a top priority by a just cause. The reason that is, is because we find ourselves in very unfortunately familiar territory what we have seen. To Donovan Duran. Somebody. Should have answered for that. To. Danette Chavez. The killing of her son. Somebody should have answered. For that. This problem, continues and continues and continues. There is no refrain or let me step back. Let me use my taser. Let You might as well take your tasers off because you don't use them anyway, other than to plant them in the ground, in the grass and say, oh, they grabbed my taser, so I shot him dead. We've seen that is a huge tragedy. And as David alluded to earlier, there are dozens, if not
1: hundreds,
2: of people killed out of the view of a camera or a cell phone. That's the bigger picture. Yes, we are concerned about what we've heard tonight. What, are the, what about the stories we have not heard? That parents and siblings, fathers, are weeping at the loss of their loved one. This is not something that is going away. But you better protect your children. I don't care whether they're 15 or 30. They stand a risk of being pulled over traffic stop and the next point is death senator bland was one of those people pulled her over the cops snatched her out the car for what reason she changed lanes without a signal that's it took her into custody you know why she's saying why are you touching me why are you bothering me? And I saw the video. Unnecessary force. Here's the lady a ticket, let her go. But she leaves county jail. Within two days, she's out in a body bag with the claim she took her life. A lady who just learned that she was going to be working at a college that she attended, was moving because of that opportunity, you're not telling me. She took her life, and you want us to buy that. When you hear what you've heard tonight, especially from Donovan, they, they just rather just kill you. Don't give me a day in court, which is sometimes just as useless it's being stopped. This is a tragedy. You see, radio will be doing this particular show definitely next week, part two of this series, because there's so much of this going on. William, go ahead.
12: Sorry about that. Um, you know, even
2: as you were talking, the one thing that I think we should ring out to everybody is how many stories we've heard. Not only of police brutality to David's point before the, the cell phone, the camera phone, how many of these cases were basically
3: set aside, washed away. People say, no, the cops are, the cop didn't do that to that guy. Now, now we should ask ourselves, could that have been a reality?
2: How many, how many of those cases before cell phones there were claims of police misconduct were pushed aside and deemed you know false because basically they're seeing somebody with a
3: badge and they're believing what whatever that guy with that badge says hey that's that's gospel we will not question that person and this is what this is the history that we've had in this country it's just been since the cell phone that now we are seeing evidence of it. We saw it with Walter Scott. We saw it with, with Eric Gardner. We've seen it with case after
2: case after case. We did a, sh- a show last year reflecting on George Floyd. And here we are again in the same situation. We have got now the list of these notorious
5: cases of video, black men dying at the hands of police, and yet we are in the exact same place
2: years later. There's no difference today than when it happened to Laquan McDonald, happened to Michael Brown. You go back. Now, Now these, this is years now that these we're seeing successive cases of this stuff. George Floyd was not that many years ago, and here we are again today. Having a show about the same content, different players, different names, same outcome, as far as a dead man, dead black man to be specific, at the hands of police. And we got, we've got to do something about this, or else we'll continue this story. The story never ends. There is no conclusion to this story. There is not a final page to this story. It is endless, which makes it more egregious by these officers. I say this all the time. All the officers are not doing this. I know that. You've got good officers out here that give their life. And to those men we salute who honor the badge. This show and what we must address is the officers that do not. Because people continue to die. Mother's hearts continue to be broken. Can you imagine? uh, Danette said that. You cannot imagine seeing your son, hearing that he died and bled out with no help. Nobody coming to his aid. That is a tragedy,
11: it is a sickness
2: that has to
11: be taken care of. Well, and there is a, I think people need to watch a lot of things uh, that are said in America. Uh, Americans are obsessed with the idea of greatness. They want to be great, but you are going to be great by, you're going to be great by addressing your problems. And you hear the terms we 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 cavalierly throw around terms like we have the best justice system in America, in the world. Yet they can't justify it with any sort of metric. I also hate to hear the fact. Well, ninety nine percent of police officers are are out there good people doing the job. Well, you don't know if that number's correct or not. Uh, we can still honor the people who do a good job and respect uh, the badge and, and the tough jobs that they have to do, but don't make these categorical uh, statements uh, that 99%, I don't know what that number is. All I know is power corrupts and power tends to corrupt and absolute, absolute power corrupts absolutely. That is an immutable fact. It's 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 proven over a long period of time that power tends to corrupt. At, at all levels of policing, power can corrupt these men. These are human beings subject to corruption, and subject to being corrupted, and we don't know who these people are. And sadly, if we continue to put down these baseless percentages, 99% of FBI agents good. 99% of judges are good people. We don't know that. All we know is address the issues as they come and deal with these people as human beings. It doesn't matter if they got a law degree. There, that doesn't change what's in a person's heart because they went to school and got a law degree or, or, or they, they put on a blue uniform and a badge. They are still subject to the same vices as any other person in this country, whether they grew up poor or not poor or in a certain class, it's just the way it is. So this constant lionizing of, of police, uh, I respect police and the job they do, but we, we, we tend in this country to self-righteously take it a little too far and be blinded by that self-righteousness where you can't see police, uh, a, the, the police who engage in some of these offensive activities as as deserving of uh, punishment that they should get for engaging in such conduct. Well,
2: the officers, whether you want to accept it or not, there's a long line of corrupt officers and police Uh, stations. That's all over this country. You have a bad seed in there. That's how these people come out and do what they do. Uh, And and it it goes to every state here in the United States. You have cops on the uh, prowl for power, money. What are they willing to do? What are they willing to do to get that and that's almost take the life of citizens. This is a rogue system.
1: It's what it is. You
2: say, well, I believe in our police. Go ahead. Till so they bring your loved one to your door dead. That's what we're dealing with. It's not about what we believe. I believe there are good officers. We're, de- we're not dealing with good officers. We're dealing with corrupt officers who
3: continue
2: to abuse citizens in this country. Go ahead,
3: um, Samson. Well, I mean, Dave made a great point. I mean, at, at the end of the day, you have to face the immutable truth that every police officer is a human being. Just because they put on a badge does not change the content of their character. It doesn't change their moral makeup. It doesn't change their moral compass. All it does is put them in a position of power. So whatever that person is at the core of their being, that's what's going to come out because now they have a now they have control of some sort. Now they have some level of influence over your day to day life, and as we're seeing in, in case after case to to William's point, you know we're seeing what's coming out of these officers that are patrolling the streets and that are supposed to be protecting and serving the communities that they they go around. But in fact, they're. They're turning into some fascist regime out there that's ch- trying to be as militant as possible and show exactly how tough and how bad they are. And the fact of the matter is, is, you know, all they're doing is making our society worse. They're making the 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 almost necessity for outcry and backlash against them to happen. They're They're fostering their own environment that they're so desperately seeking to, quote unquote, stop.
2: Absolutely. William? Yeah, just real quick. When you're saying that, and we we need to not be naive to think that there's only a handful of corrupt cops. The the thing is, is that we know birds of a feather tend to flock together. So that when one gets in, here comes another bad seed. So
3: that's why you start seeing a, a group of these guys, a group of them starting behaving the same, having a mob mentality. These guys in, in Memphis,
5: that's prime example. Those guys are all the same. They all participated in it. And, and so you have to look at it and say, that is their nature. They like those same kind of cops in their department with them. That's their buddy. And we have to understand it and see it that way. We need to stop being naive to
11: it. And one final point uh, to to add on to you, William, is there were officers standing around while a lot of this stuff was going on. And no, none of them rendered aid. So... That just goes to show you silence, uh, like you said, is a language. Nobody's saying nothing about it. So you tacitly agree or support what's going on. Yep. And, and that was the point, David, that you, you just brought up. What about the officer that says, hey, stop? we That's thats the point where you say the. I like your point with the
2: 99%. We don't know that. What about the officers that sit in silence that says, hey, you can't do that, but that's uh further's this attitude this rogue mentality so until the officers unite together to say we won't stand for that which is wrong you unfortunately we'll have the point. Well, you're not going to you're not going to get it because they suffer retaliation right uh in the system that That's if true. you go against uh
11: what these officers in a group have done
1: they retaliate
11: but if they collectively come together they can't retaliate against everybody so it if- if, in fact, 99% are good and 1% are bad, well, the 99% can definitely overcome the 1%. it raises the question
2: now, as you said earlier, we don't know if 99% are true or not. But that's you, what raises the question at this point. But that's what was so shocking about the George Floyd case. If you remember that, when the chief came out and he came out and took a stand, I mean, because we've heard the term blue wall and we've seen it we've seen it in action. So when we saw that that was a deterioration of the blue wall. We also started seeing that a little bit here in Memphis with them with the upper the upper officers, the upper echelon of the department coming out and condemning the actions that they saw. And so, you know, I think now hopefully some of these departments, you know, they should be checking themselves again. We can't be naive to it, but but they have the blue wall that's been the thing that has stood for, for a while. Yes, really quick. Dennis. Well, until, until uh, we, we do life for life, until it's not about, you know, uh, the state uh, compensating for the police's actions, it's, not, it's never going to change. But when you start putting them in prison, when you start giving them time for the time that, you know, by taking someone's mm-hmm. life, then you start getting changes, but until then, it's never going to change because the American people is paying for their, you know, their
9: wrongdoing
2: through compensation and all that. But other than that, they're not doing anything to the police officer themselves. All right. Well, well ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be dealing with this next week. Please tell your friends, family, whoever you can to tune in. Call into the show next week, 646 200 You may want to make a note of that.
10: 646
2: 200 0628. Next week, excessive force and law enforcement will continue. This is AJC Radio saying good night and be safe out there.